when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. How are you doing? How's everybody doing? I think we're in the middle of the holiday season when this one comes out. Maybe not middle, like right before Christmas. Uh, so Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate and those of you who do not. Merry whatever to you. Um, all are welcome here. I love Christmas and uh, I cannot wait for Christmas and all the fun things that come along with that. Although, you know, I, I, I just use the whole time between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day to be in the festive spirit. The lights, the cookies, the whole thing. I'm not like a big like partier, but just I, maybe it's just the lights. I love the lights. Let's leave it at that. All right. Well, today might be a short one, um, which kind of is the point, because the title of today, are there really only three questions you ever need to follow up? Are there other great questions you can use in Wadir to get jurors to talk more, to be more, to, to delve in more? Sure. But if you have a limited memory and you can only memorize three things at once, these are the three questions that you need that anyone can use. Anyone. For any voir dire ever, these are your friends. All right. So if you've been following me for a while or if you have my book, From Hostage to Hero, and if you do not have my book, go get it. Hello from HostageToHero.com. You can read all about the book there. Watch the book trailer. Uh, ask to join our special secret From Hostage to Hero Facebook group. We're going to go live once a month. Um, what else can you do on there? I mean, this is a podcast, but I guess you already listen to this podcast. Anyways, go there. It's cool. Get the book. But if you've read the book or followed me for a while, then you know that I talk about the two different types of questions that you ask in Wadir. So there are called what I call experiential questions. So those are the questions that most of you have been trained to ask. So that's who here has ever worked at a factory? Who here has ever been in a car crash? You know, the things that have happened in the juror's life or the experiences that they have had. And those are all great and good. But where I'm always trying to go with Boisdier, if we can get away with it, is to the more principle-based questions, which are all about what they think about the principles in the case and getting them talking about big things like betrayal or fairness or honesty or accountability or responsibility. And if you didn't listen to the podcast on principles, I think it's a couple podcasts ago, you can go back and listen to that one um, where we talk about the difference between values and principles and trying to frame your case and all those kinds of things. I, I personally think it was quite a good episode. So go ahead and check that one out. But the point is, those are the, basically the two types of things that you're doing in Wadir. You're learning about jurors and their experiences, but you're also wanting to get a conversation going around principles. Now, what most of you are able to do when it comes to voir dire, I mean, when I, when I meet trial attorneys, most of y'all are like, I hate voir dire. It's the worst part of trial. 
Wadir is my jam. I, it's like my favorite thing about trial. I'm a group dynamics junkie. I love understanding how people make decisions, how they think, what they do, how to read that, how to work with that, how to form the group. You know this if you've read the book or follow me. I am all about Wadir. I think it is the best, most exciting part of trial. And if you happen to live in one of those funky places in the U.S. that doesn't allow Wadir, hello, move. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you have fun as a trial attorney without Wadir. It's the best part. Okay. Sorry, loves Wadir. We get it. Sorry. Okay. So where was I? I think I lost my place. Oh, okay. So when I'm talking to y'all about Wadir and how you hate it, most of you do. And some of you like it. Great. I don't get the ones that don't hate I mean, I do get the ones that hate it. I, Wadir can be difficult in that it's very improvisatory in nature and you can prepare your side of the conversation, but you have absolutely no idea what the other side is going to say. So I get that. I get how that can be nerve wracking and how the judge may come down on you if you ask the wrong thing or that you might get objected to by opposing counsel. So I, I understand. I really do that Wadir can be nerve wracking and that's why we offer more Wadir classes than we do opening classes because... That's what all of you struggle with, and I love teaching it, so I'm happy to do that. By the way, February 2020, Wadir is already sold out, and seats are already going for April. We switched to April. It used to be opening. It's now Wadir, just because so many people asked, and the minute we advertised it, seats were already taken. So if you do not want to wait to come out and work on Wadir with me uh, until I think the next one would then be September, dudes dudettes go and get a seat in April because I don't want to like listen to y'all whine about how all the seats are gone grab it grab it now and and here well you know what I'm gonna do that in another podcast I will stop myself from continually going off I'm obviously got my brain going everywhere this today okay so you guys will put together the voir dire, no problem. I wouldn't say no problem but <laughs> that's the part you're like okay I can handle like asking these questions but sorry where I really just, the whole thing goes off the rails is follow up. So today's podcast episode is for you. Because yes, I get that follow up is the problem. And that's where you guys look like a deer in headlights because you'll have your question prepped and then they'll answer you and you you just go, I don't know what to do with this. And so you either go on to a next question or start interrogating or doing all these crazy things that I see in Wadir. So with that in mind, there are only really three questions that you absolutely must have in your arsenal for follow-up questions in voir dire. And you're like, all right, tell me what they are already. All right, if you're driving, I was gonna say, take out a pen and paper, but if you're driving, don't. Just go back and listen to this later. But here's the deal. The first one, the first one is what was that like? So Let's say that you asked, uh, you said this case is, involves a car crash. Let me start by asking, who here has ever been involved in a car crash? And so people raise their hands and you say, what was that like? Or going to our second one that you must have, thank you, Don Keenan. Tell me about that. You guys make this way more complicated than it has to be. A juror raises his hand and you say, tell me about that. And so they say, yeah, I got a car crash uh, about three years ago. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I got in a car crash three years ago. And so then you look at me like, uh, what do I say now? Now you can go back to the other one. What was that like? Now, notice how 
I don't say, how did that make you feel? Which I don't love that question. A lot of people do. But jurors find that pretty uncomfortable. Asking about feelings, a little uncomfortable. But this is a great question we use a lot in coaching. What was that like? Because it gets them to an emotional place. Notice I didn't ask for facts. I didn't ask for details. I want to know what that was like. And if they said it was horrifying, actually, guess which follow-up question I can use? Tell me about that. Well, I broke my leg and my partner was thrown from the vehicle and luckily she survived. But you say, oh my God, what was that like? Do you see how you're overcomplicating this? The way to get the jury, jurors, to continue to talk to you is very, very simple. Ask them what it was like and ask them to tell you about that. That could be your whole voir dire right there. Now, the problem with using just those two follow-up questions, which is tell me about that and what was that like, is that you could circle around in the experiential mode forever. And this is actually where I see a lot of Wadir's uh, go off the rail. I wouldn't say go off the rails, but never get anywhere super meaningful is when you stay just on experiential questions. So now we figured out who, who everyone who's been in a car crash. Now we figured out everybody who's ever been to this hospital. Now we figured, you know, and it's a lot of factual information. But if I'm there as your jury, jury consultant, which I don't do a lot anymore because I'm so busy with um, one-on-one consulting and um, classes. But if I was there, any other jury consultant was there, it, we're like, okay, this isn't telling me a lot. Okay, we want to get more down the principle. Now, what was that like? We'll get you a little deeper because that'll get us to more of the emotional questions and and their experience with it versus just facts and dates and names. Um, But it's this third question I think you really need to have in your arsenal. And that is, how important is fill in the blank? So let let me show you how this might work. So... If we started with, okay, this case involves a car crash. Who here has ever been in a car crash? And people raise their hands and we say, yeah, tell me about that. Start with our first follow-up question and they'd say what it is. And we say, what was that like? And they say, oh, it was horrifying. And we go, tell me about that. And they talk about how horrifying it was and the people, you know, getting thrown out of the vehicle. And we go, oh, what was that like? Oh, it was awful. And then we had to deal with our insurance and man, they wouldn't pay. Okay, let's say we hit on something like that. This would be a great time for now. How important is it for insurance companies to keep their promise? Or how important is safety at a hospital? Let's say you started with who here's ever uh, had to go to a hospital. You know, what was that like? Tell me about that. How important is safety as a hospital? Do you see how the how important now? Now we're getting to principle. Because the minute that that we say, how important is safety at a hospital? How important is it to monitor a patient? How important is it to keep your eyes on the road? How important is it to test products before putting them on the market? Whatever your principle in your case is, the jurors are almost always going to say, well, it's very important. And what do we say now, students? That's right. Tell me about that. And now you can play with this question. Well, it's really important because we go to to a hospital um, to get better. And and that's, they promise to do that. Yeah, how important is it that they, they keep that promise? What's well, really important? Yeah, tell me about that. You guys, you're making this too complicated. Now, I'm sure there's going to be somebody that writes in or calls in and says, oh, yeah, but you need these other questions. Maybe, but I'm thinking you can do a pretty damn good wadir with these three follow-up questions. Now, notice that 
none of these questions starts with do or does. Now, y'all who work with me or read the book know I hate do and does questions. And you might be saying, what is a do or does question? Well, give me an example. Do you think that, and then you fill in the blank for the jurors, and basically what you're doing is asking them to agree with the statement you just made. It's not an actual question. Do you think that police officers often abuse their power? I mean, that really puts jurors on the spot. First of all, I've seen enough jury selections, thousands of them by this point in my career, that jurors never fall for that trap. They just feel like you are trying to influence them. You are saying basically with that statement, police officers do abuse their power. Don't you agree? That's what a do question does. And jurors hate those questions. They don't want to be told how to think. And even if they do agree with you, the impulse immediately when a question like that flies out of your mouth, and I don't know who fucking taught you guys to do this, but all y'all do the do and does questions. It had to be taught somewhere down the line because all of you do this. Get rid of the do and does questions. If you even hear them coming out of your mouth, stop yourself. But even if they agree with you, they'll stop themselves and get a little argumentative because they don't want to be told how to think. So a do question is a do you think some opinion you hold jurors hope, uh, you hope a jurors hold, and then you're asking them to agree or disagree with you. That is not a question that we want to do or ask, okay? You might say how important is it and then find your question with that, okay? But you have to still be careful that you're not feeding anything to them there, Um but we want to avoid do questions. An example of a does question is, does anyone here feel or does anyone here think? Again, what you're doing is very similar. Does anyone here feel they couldn't give money in this case? I, no jury's going to fall for that trap. They're like, I'm not going to tell you if I couldn't do that. I mean, maybe some would, but it's just not an effective question. Who here thinks? Does anyone here have a problem with? Ugh, that's just like a major loser question. No one's going to answer that. Does anyone here have a problem with the fact that whatever, in your case, I can't, you know, just whatever it might be. The jurors are not going to self-select away from the group and tell you that they have a problem with it. You have to get them talking about their experiences by asking them what was that like and to tell you about that. And then asking, nailing it down to the principal by saying how important is fill in the blank. I'm sure after I get done posting this uh, podcast, I'll think of, oh, wait, there's another question that you must have <laughs> in your what your follow-up. But for now, and you know I love my, my things in threes. Those are the three you got to have in your back pocket. What was that like? Tell me about that and how important is fill in the blank, whatever your principles are in your case. That's a great way you can keep Wadir bouncing around because here's the thing, and here's what everybody says after they come out and do a Wadir training with me. They cannot believe that the jurors give you everything you need. If you are working really, really hard in Wadir, you're doing it wrong. You just are. Until you come out and work with me, that might sound like madness. But everyone out there listening right now who's been out to Portland, you are nodding your head. You know you are right now. It's just easier than you think because if you let the jurors give you what you need, they will say the most interesting, amazing shit. And all you have to do is keep that conversation going. Tell me more about that. Oh, my God. What was that like? Well, how important is it that? Boom. You just keep, they'll give you everything you need. Throw in a couple of context statements. This case is about X. This case is about Y. 
and, and some getting the conversation started questions that's around the things in your case, these are the three follow-ups you need. You can do every wadir with these three follow-ups. I dare you to prove me wrong. And go ahead and prove me wrong because then I'll learn even more. All right, fun being with you guys on this somewhat short podcast today. Um, but I hope that helps. All right, if you haven't, go to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and give me a review, please. Uh, the more people that review, we're at five stars right now on iTunes, which is super exciting. Thank you so much. Um, the more people can hear our podcast, it gets into more more hands, no, or ears, whatever. It gets to more people. In addition, if you've gotten my book and you've read it and you're enjoying it, which so many of you have reached out to me personally to tell me you have, thank you so much. Please give me a review at Trial Guides. That also gets the book in a higher ranking and we can get that into the hands of more people. Guys, I don't make any money on the podcast and I really don't make a lot of money on the book. I'll tell you right now, uh, I really wrote those to help you. So please help me by giving me um, those reviews because that will help us help more trial attorneys. All right, have a fabulous day, my friends. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sorry's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today, and until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.